Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast Waterfowl Wednesday Edition. I'm your host, Nick Johnson. Before we get started, let me remind you of our sponsors for this program. We have Oak Hammock Outfitters. Uh, If you are looking for one of the most accessible, um, affordable, and amazing Canadian hunting experiences, reach out to my buddy Bob at Oak Hammock Outfitters. You can find him at oakhammockoutfitters.com. You can call him at 204 389 2242. You can email him at hunt at oakhammockoutfitters.com. Reach out to Bob. Um, he's going to be able to help you get something checked off your potential trophy list. Like if you're looking for a stainless stainless steel honker band, this guy might be able to help you get one. If you're looking for a double banded honker, this guy might be able to help you get one. If you're looking for a double banded stainless slash rivet banded honker, this guy might be able to help you get one as well as put you on some fantastic mallard hunting, some fantastic Canada goose hunting, and up there, uh, cackling geese and snow geese are always bonus birds that you get. Bob's got it dialed in up there. He's been doing it for a very long time. Give my friend Bob at Oak Hammock Outfitters a call. Um, Tell him that I uh, sent you, and maybe he'll learn that he's actually a podcast sponsor. But he's a good friend of mine, and he is uh, definitely... One of the best dudes I've ever met in this industry that's out to help people achieve their dreams in the waterfall world. Also check out the Goose Tech app. The Goose Tech app is a uh, comprehensive goose call learning system. Nothing's going to help you become a better goose hunter. Then 
learning how to blow your goose call correctly, and the Goose Tech app is a $20 a twenty app that can help you do that as far as entry, cost entry into the good goose hunting. Hell, that's a very good value. Also, check out Pacific Custom Calls, pacificcustomcalls.com. And uh, the Nick Johnson Signature Series Goose Call is on there. You can check out my Goose Call. But check out all of Pacific Calls. Um, very innovative, very user-friendly, very affordable, and very awesome duck and goose calls that they have available. And they have some awesome turkey calls available as well. Okay, guys, um, I'm still up in Saskatchewan. It is Tuesday, May 9th today. And uh, I... I I know I've been promising to get back to the Q&A. I've actually got it open up in front of me. All of your guys' questions that you sent me, I, I wrote them down, but I, I, would be, uh, I would be negligent if I did not do a little bit of story time first. Um, and that is, I've got a good story. We shot a neck collar two days ago, three days ago, something like that. It was on my hunt. Now... I've been up here running snow goose hunts since uh, April 18th. I've been doing quite a bit of hunting. My groups have killed quite a few snow geese. And up until this point a few days ago, I had not seen a band. Like, not one band in my spread. Now the other guides, the other guides, they're getting bands. And I talk to these other guides across the province of Saskatchewan. And they say, you know, when they're hunting up here in the spring, they get pretty high percentages, pretty high ratios of bands. Like... One per X amount of birds. You know, it's different between some guys. Some guys, have, I've heard people say, like, it's uh, up to one out of a hundred snow geese you shoot, you get a band. Now, that hasn't been the case for us, for any of uh, the guides here. But let's just say I was, like, probably in my spread, like, over 700 snow geese shot, and I still haven't seen a band. So... I've got these guys from Alabama, and every single morning we've been doing good, like really, really good, like almost limiting out every morning. And I'm starting to say, like, guys, like we're due for one, we're due for one, we're gonna get a band one of these mornings. So it's their third morning, it's their final hunt, and we are set up on uh, on a pretty cool little spot that our scout um, Colby found for us, got us permission on. We're sitting there and we're having we're having a banger of a hunt, man. Like we got a good crosswind. We're sitting on a fence line, got the A-frames in the fence line. And not just like a fence line, but it was like a berm. It was like like a, and like an elevated berm, like almost like a tabletop jump in skateboarding, like where uh, we were actually like up off the field, let's call it like four or five feet, but the top of that little berm was flat, so we could put all our layouts on top of it. So we had this nice little hide up there. We got maybe a, about 13 or 14 dozen snow goose full bodies out in front of us, and we're getting a good mix of some pass shots and some good decoy shots, and we got um, a crosswind, so they're coming in from left to right. And... So everything's going well. We've got a lot of birds on the ground. My uh, my bird blind, I set up like an extra layout blind sometimes just to throw dead birds in. That's getting full, so I know that we're probably up around 45, 50 birds. I do keep a clicker, but um, my, my bird blind's getting full. And, uh, I mean, it's just been a good morning. Birds just flowing off the roost coming into us. And uh, we get one flock that's coming in, and I yell, Kill them! And as I'm yelling, kill them, they're coming from the left to the right, and they start to, uh, they, this this flock was decoying real good, they start to lift up off the shots, and I can just, I see a neck collar. Like, I'm always keeping my eyes out for bands, for neck collars, like, anything I can possibly see. Like, if you can see the legs, I always try to look at the legs. Like, if you can't see the legs, look at the neck. 
I mean, what are the odds that you're actually going to see a neck collar, though? I mean, I've been driving around scouting um, since April 15th here. I haven't seen a neck collar. I don't... The last neck collar I saw... Ah, shit. It was, um... It was after 2013. Maybe it was in, like, 2016 or 2017-ish. But uh, that was with a group of people that I was hunting with that... They were hunting, they had been there a couple days, and I was just going to come out like after work or some deal. I just remember I was going to show up for the afternoon hunt. Now they were just sitting in like a permanent, semi, kind of semi-permanent spread. You know, they had a spread set up, and they were just going to hunt it until like maybe they got motivated to move from there. And I showed up in the afternoon, and when I had shown up that afternoon, they had a dead white neck collar that they had killed that morning so that's the last time i had seen one that was maybe like eight years ago the last time i was on a hunt where a snow goose neck collar was killed was with jonathan olson of uh snow addictions this is even before snow addictions this was 2013 the spring of 2013 and um we were sitting in a blizzard kinda and he thought he saw a neck collar on a snow goose which if you've ever, if you've snow goose hunted quite a bit, sometimes you, uh, you might know, like, sometimes those juvies almost got, like, dark feather rings around the base of their neck. Anyways, Jonathan Olson comes up and he shoots at this goose that's, like, 80 yards away. And, uh, it, it, it came out in front of us, but then it had swung around and there was a lot of geese swirling around in the area. He had kept his eyes on it. He just reaches out there, clank, 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 clank. He dumped, dumped, like, 10 rounds at it. I mean, it was not a close shot. And sure enough, he got one of those miracle pellets up into it, dumped down in. So it has been 10 years since I've been on a hunt where a neck collar was killed. Last time I seen one killed was John Olson. And uh, um, where was I with this story? They are coming in. I call the shot, and I can just see a neck collar on a goose. Like, it's a gr- dark out, heavy overcast, gray skies. But this couldn't be more obvious. Like I, there was there was something on that goose's neck, and it looked big, and so I started screaming, "Neck collar, neck collar!" I'm just freaking out, pointing at it. All of a sudden, the guns—I can see the wads just going at it. You know, like boo, boo, boo. Everything's in slow motion, like it's not getting hit for a couple shots, and all of a sudden, just boop, boop, boop. It hits it. It starts coming down, and it comes down hard. It comes down dead. Thump. Lands about 40 yards out in the spread. I go, guns up. Safety's on right now. I run out there. I just sprint out there. I think this thing's a GPS transmitter. Like, have you ever seen a picture of a GPS transmitter neck collar? They've got like a little solar panel on them, like, and they're like a box. It's almost like a little box. It's a cell phone GPS transmitter. It talks to cell phone towers. And it's pretty big and clunky. Um, I mean, it's maybe the size of... Uh, not not the size of a pack of cigarettes. I would say maybe uh, maybe half the size of a pack of cigarettes. Honestly, I've never touched one before. But here I am running out there thinking I'm about to touch my first one. And I'm running out to this goose. And I can't see its neck the way it's sitting on the ground Like as I approach it. So like I'm like four or five steps away. I'm like, I don't see its neck. Like, oh, fuck. Anyways, I pick up the goose, and as soon as I pick it up, obviously I'm like, it's got a neck collar! But I was, like, it kind of stunned me a little bit, because not only was it not a GPS neck collar, which I thought it was one because it looks so big silhouetted up against the sky, but it was a yellow, black and yellow, it was a yellow collar with black letters, 
The black letters are four digits. I've seen these neck collars before, guys. If you do any sort of, if you try to follow Snow Goose neck collar stuff at all, you will immediately know like the four digit, um, vertically orientated black letters on the yellow collar are greater snow geese from the Atlantic Flyway. There's some uh, there's some National Wildlife Refuges, I want to say in Pennsylvania, maybe New York, I might be wrong about that, that have really, really, really great um, photography blinds. And so like a lot of waterfall photographers, if you follow waterfall photographers, especially ones from the East Coast, you're going to see a lot of these like four-digit, vertically orientated black letters on yellow neck collar snow goose photo- photographs because they've put quite a few of these on in the Atlantic flyway. And so I ran up, I pick up that goose and I'm shocked. It's not a GPS transmitter shocked that it's a greater snow goose, yellow neck collar. And I just completely fucking lose it. I'm like, yes, dude, I lost my voice kind of. Cause I was screaming so hard. Like, yes, like I couldn't believe that this had just happened. Like I, where we are, um, with Prairie limits outfitters, where we are in the, uh, the flyway, we're so far west in Saskatchewan that we're actually hunting Pacific flyway birds, Central flyway birds, and Mississippi flyway birds. Like we're hunting the hourglass, like the true hourglass of North America, but we're not hunting greater snow geese. <laughs> so seeing one of these things was absolutely mind blowing. I lost my shit. Like, it just, it, it made this crazy, amazing hunt that we had just so fucking awesome. And, uh, yeah, what a blast to get that thing. What a, what a life experience. And the guys, the Dixon group from Alabama was so, uh, taken aback by how excited I was. And, um, that they, they said that after three days of hunting, we hunted together all three days. They said after three days of hunting with me, they wanted me to have it. And I was like, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm taking it. Yeah. Fuck you. And then I ran away. And never talk to them again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But they did. They did. I told them. I say. They said one guy was adamant in the group. Like, dude, that's your neck color, Nick J. You gotta have it. That's yours. You were so excited. And I was like, dude, that cannot be your decision. That has to be like a full group decision. Number one. Out of all the people on this hunt, I can guarantee you who did not shoot it, and that's me. Because the guides here in Saskatchewan, when you're guiding hunts, you do not shoot. I have not loaded a gun. I did not bring a gun. I have not had a gun in my hand since I've been here. I did not shoot that snow goose. So, I mean, if you guys, and I by you guys, I mean unanimously, are okay with me having it, I will not turn it down. But if one of you guys wants to take that thing home as a memento then t- fucking take it home, you know? Like, you don't give it to the guy that for sure didn't shoot it, that for sure is going to take it, because I will, <laughs> I will take it. I will take it. And they're like, well, what are you going to do with it? And I was, uh, <clears throat> I was, I-, I said, well, immediately, I was like, well, I'm going to b- probably get that photo blown up, have it framed, put a little shelf on it, and put the collar and the band on it, and then somebody's going to have to buy it at my estate sale or something, you know? And uh, another thing I want to do with it that I thought would be cool was um, we just got a uh, some mounts back in the Prairie Limits Lodge, and there's a snow goose. There's a snow goose back flapping with a blue goose on one on the left side of the TV in the pool room, and uh, I thought it would maybe be cool to put it on the snow goose mount that's in the Prairie Limits Lodge. 
the and the leg band. Put the leg band and the neck collar. That way, when the Dixon group from Alabama, when they come up, they can see it and they can talk to other people. Be like, we got that on our hunt and stuff. And then I I, I don't know if that would be appropriate, honestly, because um okay, they gifted it to me. What if if I just and I've I really really appreciate it and it really means a lot to me that they did that. Um, but I would also like them to have a chance to enjoy it too. And maybe, you know, it's the first neck collar that's ever been killed to Prairie Limits Outfitters. Um, maybe more people could enjoy it and they could see it again on their return visits because they're coming back in the fall too. They could see it on that mount that's in the, in the pool room. But then I, I, I don't know if that's appropriate or not. Um, cause one time this guy got in a band drawing that I was in, this guy got in a band drawing. He's like, yeah, I think I might've shot that bird. And he won the band drawing. And when he won it, he got the band. And then he immediately just put it on the dog's collar. And not even his dog. It was somebody else's dog. The dog that retrieved it. He put it on that dog collar. And I'm like, why the fuck did you get into that band drawing, you cocksucker? If it doesn't mean anything to you, then why the fuck did you even put your name in the ring if you're just going to give the band away to a dog? That guy's not a cocksucker. I don't remember who he was, but I was furious. Not so much furious, but I... You know what I mean? It's like, why'd you get into that band? Why would you want to even try to accept that band if... You're just going to give it away. When it means something to me, it means something to the other people in this band drawing. Oh, but no. Yeah, you might have shot it, so let me just get in there. And then you win it, and then you're like, oh, just give it to the dog. Like, what? So I kind of had a feeling like, if those guys gave me that neck collar, and then I put it on the snow goose that's in the lodge, you know, if any of those guys had a twinge of like, that they had wanted it, but like, ah, God, I kind of want that thing, but... Nick is so excited about it. Yeah, Nick can have it, you know? Like, he did a great job for us, and it means so much to him. And then they see it at the lodge, like, oh, looks like it meant so much to Nick that he fucking put it on the goddamn taxidermied bird in the lodge, and he didn't even take it home with him. So I, I don't know. I don't know. So I've got those confl- conflicting views on, on what to do. Um, with it. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me. Like, I think it would be cool to, I think maybe I should reach out to them, honestly. But anyways, uh, another thing I wanted to mention on the podcast about Saskatchewan and since I've, uh, since I've been, uh, talked to Dale last time was, um, something that's developed up here over like the last seven to 10 days is, uh, the most, uh, awesome and best duck bird watching, I think maybe that I've ever seen in my entire life. As I as almost scouting is like a real treat. When you go out scouting, every single pond, every single little flooded piece of agriculture, every piece of water you come across is like a Skittles bag mixture of different species in their most gorgeous state. Like, we're talking canvasbacks, uh, let's just go through the divers that I can think of, hooded mergansers, buffleheads, redheads, um, scalp, ringnecks, redheads, I might have said that already, canvasbacks, I don't remember, I might have said that already, now uh, widgeons, blue-winged teal, green-winged teal, gadwalls, mallards, for puddle ducks, this is, ah oh, man, I know, I'm 
probably blowing over a few of these. But think of all of those species that I named. And then like three or four of them are in every different pond. So you drive past a pond and it's got these gorgeous green winged teal, redheads, and buffleheads in it. And then you drive down the, on the road another mile and the next pond has these gorgeous mallards, widgeons, canvasbacks. The next pond you drive past, golden eyes, buffleheads, and blue-winged teal. Like, it's it's actually just been some of the most... Yeah, I, th- I said that. It's just the best duck bird watching I've ever seen. Like, today I uh, <laughs> today I was scouting this morning, and I pulled over because this, this uh, one pond I was driving past just had this absolutely fantastic smorgasbord of ducks. And so I pull over, I jump out of my rental car, um, I pull out my wiener and I'm taking a pee on the side of the road and I'm buried into my binoculars and I'm just looking at these ducks with my wiener hanging out, taking a pee. And then I didn't even notice these ducks are so beautiful. The, I did not even notice a truck try to pass me. <laughs> so like I heard like their, their wheels on the gravel road and I take my, like, uh, my eyes out of the binoculars And then I look over and there's a truck like literally right there, like parked, waiting for me to get my cock into my pants and my ass off of the road so they can pass me. (laughs) That's how good the duck watching is here right now. Like I'm just like buried in those binoculars. Like, God, look how gorgeous these ducks are. What an amazing, oh man. And I, I mean, I'm done peeing, like I'm done peeing and I'm still sitting there with my wiener just hanging out of my pants as this car damn near had to honk its horn to get me to <laughs> all righty guys hey we're already like 19 minutes into this podcast we might have to do a part three on this q a let's bang some of these out let's bang out a little bit of q a this is, uh this god this must have been like six to eight weeks ago that you guys actually sent me these questions so let's go through a few of them we made it through one page i got a whole nother page and a half let's just do this for like 10 minutes and we might end up having to do a part three um all right i got a message from a guy named T-Y-S, TIS, TIS, I don't know, geotrackers on geese. Well, let's talk about them. Let's talk about what is a geotracker. A geotracker is something that you're going to be seen glued onto a plastic tarsal leg band. So a plastic tarsal leg band might have this little round device glued to it called a geotracker. In fact, they're even putting geotrackers on some ducks. So geotrackers are a very, very small... uh, a very, very small, like it's, I don't know, maybe the, about the diameter of a dime, uh, the dick, the, the thickness of maybe like six or seven dimes stacked on each other, I guess. But they can glue these very light white objects onto the plastic leg bands that they put on ducks and geese. What a geo tracker does is it's a light meter. So a light meter that just records basically sunrise and sunset not even it's just like when it gets light when it gets dark now you can get some pretty interesting information on this based on like when it gets light when it gets dark you can get within a 50 kilometer radius a general location of where the bird was like within a 50 kilometer radius another thing you can get from uh, geo trackers is you can get the dates that the ducks or geese are sitting on the nests. So like those, you'll get long periods of darkness, be- like for let's just say like 28 days, like the period that birds actually sit on the nest. Those and you can tell like when that bird was nesting because they're going to be sitting 
on the nest, and you won't even see the sunrise or sunset anymore. It's almost like the GeoTracker goes dark. Um, GeoTrackers, um, one one thing about them is they have to be recaptured. These GeoTrackers do not transmit any data. They only store it. And the data that they're storing is just, it's a clock. It's a clock and a light meter. That's all it is. But um, But scientists can get quite a bit of pretty decent information from that geotransmitter. If you ever shoot one, you're going to have to um, mail it in because they have to download the information off it. Like I said, it doesn't transmit it. And a lot of them will um, send you... Well, as for the case for the Manitoba the Manitoba Project, which are doing red geotrackers and yellow ones, they send you uh, a replica for your, la- for your lanyard or for your, for your display case and, or for your taxidermy bird. And they also send you a t-shirt. So, I mean, there's some incentive to send it back. Let's try to bang out... Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't believe... Cal Lehigh, I'm just going to call you out on this. Is it okay to masturbate in the blind? That's Cal Lehigh, everybody. Or Leahy. You know, I've been hunting with the Leahy Lehigh brothers for 10 years, and I still don't know if it's Leahy or Lehigh. Anyways, Cal, is it... Okay. Yeah, on solo hunts. Why do you think I hunt solo so much? Next question. Calling at pressured birds. Sometimes I would call that not calling at pressured birds. Like a lot of pressured bird scenarios, I use the goose call to uh, divert their eyes over to my spread. A little clucka clucka, just so they know I'm there. And um, let the decoys... Well, a lot of times I'm doing, you know, using... A small amount of Dave Smith decoys, and then I'm just letting them do the rest of the work, keep my face hidden, and just letting the birds decide. You, that's what you got to do with pressured birds, because a lot of times they'll look at you, they won't see you, but they just keep moving on. Hell, when it comes to pressured birds, it, it, there's there's almost no tactic that works perfectly. You just got to try to not be discovered. Pressured birds... Number one thing is they're looking for the boogeyman. They're looking for you. They're looking for the predator. They're not so much looking at the calling, the decoys. They're looking for you. One tactic, uh, speaking of this tactic for pressured birds that I've used while hunting pressured birds is limiting the amount of people in a spread at a single time. So if there's four of you, maybe set up two blinds. Have two guys, if it's a good two-person hide, set up two blinds and then have two guys go in first and then once somebody limits or even shoots one bird, however you want to do it, just cycle people. Even one blind is better. Like, if you guys can, if there's a way to set up one blind to where, if it's just three of you or two of you, just take turns in that one blind, rather than all three going out there and having a fucking shitty hunt. At least maybe one or two of you, maybe even all three of you could shoot your limit, you know? Draw straws or something to see who goes first out into the blind. Okay, thoughts on leasing by Parker Brigham asked me this question. Oh, thoughts on leasing, thoughts on leasing. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a thing that exists, man. I just was trying to lease a piece of property uh, near me and the guy told me no. He told me no because I'm a guide and he'd rather give it out to a local guy. So fuck leasing in that instance when I don't get it. When I don't get the lease, I fucking hate it. But when I do get the lease for an affordable price, God, what could be better than having a place that you could go and hunt whenever you want, right? 
At least when you have leasing, you know what hunting is worth to people. And if an outfitter or a guide service leases a fantastic piece of property that you otherwise in a million years would never have access to, and then all of a sudden you do have access to, if you call that outfitter or that guide service and you give them 150 bucks for 200 bucks for their day rate and you're hunting one of the best pieces of property in the county or in the multiple county area or along this entire river stretch, they got the best field. And then all of a sudden you're getting in there for an affordable price that somebody else an unaffordable price because somebody's passing the cost on to you because they went ahead and shucked out the multiple thousands of dollars it took to convince that landowner to let people out there, then you're a very, very good beneficiary of leasing. However, if it's a place that you hunted traditionally for free that all of a sudden gets leased, yeah, I could see why people get butthurt. They're like, wow, what I get for free anymore isn't free. Okay, you know, which... Boo-hoo. I guess it sucks, you know, hey, who doesn't like getting awesome stuff for free? And when that awesome stuff becomes not free, it fucking sucks. That's my thoughts on leasing. What things to focus on while scouting for geese, especially in areas with lots of water? Air, what to focus on while scouting for geese? Consistency? Where geese are going, what they are doing in certain weather conditions. Are they doing the same things in the morning as in the evening? Are you going to have consistent weather conditions the day that you plan to hunt compared to the day that you're actually scouting? Especially with areas with lots of water. Areas with lots of water could just have lots of dispersed roosts. Areas with lots of water can have dispersed roosts and dispersed feeds. So you're just, it's just going to take a little bit more um, due diligence on your part. Guys, we're at 27 minutes. I, I kind of want to keep this to 30 minutes because I do have to go scouting here too. So we're going to have to end up doing, we're probably going to have to do a part three. All right. How to find birds. <laughs> here we go. Last question was how to focus on scouting with geese, especially in an area with lots of water. Second question is how to find birds with limited water or how to hunt on rivers or creeks. When it comes to rivers or creeks, one thing you can do is you can ask any landowner that's got a piece of property that butts up to that river or creek if you could just gain access to the river or creek through their backyard, and then you can walk up and down it because it's public waterways. Um, finding birds with limited water. Uh, one of the nice things about finding birds with limited water as you know that they're going to be on that limited water source however if they're not there they're not there and this since water is limited you might have to drive or scout quite a bit of ways beyond that to actually find more birds let's keep rolling it's enough about scouting geese um here's a great question by connor urich am i still tuning calls you're damn right i am and I love tuning people's calls, and I only do it for the cost of the return shipping for your call. So uh, it's I, I always use um, uh, the post uh, uh, U.S. Postal Service USPS, and I use the click and ship. So whatever the click and ship rate is, um, it's like I think ten dollars and fifty cents. So you have to pay if you box up your own call. It's like five dollars. It's like half the price of click and ship admittedly, I just do it because it's easier. And you want to send me your goose call. It can be any brand. It is P.O. Box 
168 New Richmond, Wisconsin 54017. Hit pause right now if you really want to get your goose call tuned. It can be any brand. Hit pause. And I'm going to say it again. P.O. Box 168 New Richmond, Wisconsin 54017. I will tune your goose call. If you have broken parts in your goose call, um, if you have a broken tone board, or that's not very likely, it's more likely if you have a broken reed. Um, you will want to order a read from your respective call maker, get the read, and then send all the parts to me. I charge the only the only thing I charge is return shipping. Here's the reason I've I've got a couple reasons why I I've been doing this for years. Here's why. In the beginning, well, there's in the beginning I I've always had the same reasons. Number one, I want to get good at tuning goose calls. So I think I've achieved that. I've gotten good at tuning all sorts of goose calls. The only way to get good at tuning goose calls is to tune a lot of goose calls. Number two, I actually save your address, your return address. I write it into a spreadsheet that I have. So if I ever, like, I might send you a postcard or something. I don't know why. Just, like, if I wanted to send you guys an advertisement for, like, some um, future product that I have or service, like a guide service or a Nick Johnson Signature Series goose call at Pacific Calls, I could have, like, a list of addresses of people that have had a good experience business-wise with me, and that's the third thing. I, I, I want people out there to have a good experience dealing with me. So you sent me a goose call. It came back five days later, um, and it was tuned, and uh, it only cost you the return shipping. So I want people to have a good experience with me. I want to save their address in case I want to shoot them an advertisement for some product or service of mine in the future which I guess I never have, but I, I do keep that Excel spreadsheet going. It's kind of interesting. I write down like in the spreadsheet, like what I tuned for you or whatever. Um, and then I want like people to actually, I wanted to get good at tuning goose calls. And I wanted there to be a bunch of people out there in the world that was like, I dealt with Nick Johnson for something and it was great. Like I wanted people to have a good experience dealing with me for something that helped them. And then maybe those advertisements that I would send out in the future would resonate with them and they would be potential future customers. Anyways. Um, tuning when running multiple goose calls, asked Michael Stancic, which is a great question. Um, multiple, I, I like to have two goose calls I, on my lanyard. I like to have one that does about 80 to 90% of the work, just the, the go-to goose call. Um, the one that is tuned for almost everything. And then I like to have a loud one. That's how I roll with my lanyard. If I'm running two goose calls and honestly, sometimes I only run with one and sometimes it's that one that does like 80 to 90% of the work. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, I wish I had that loud beast on me today. Cause I, 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 I believe more in having a, a sound as your long distance, uh, as your long distance marker rather than a flag. So sometimes I get a little bit brazen and I just go out with one goose call and I miss that loud guy. I miss having that loud call on my lanyard. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to have to skip this question. Will snows blow through the Dakotas? So yeah, we, we did these questions and answers a few, a few while, a few weeks ago, multiple weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Will the snows blow through the Dakotas? I, I can't remember. Because I was already in Canada on April 15th. Um, 
Jumping snows, the non-douche way. This is actually an awesome question. Um, jumping snows is super fun. Jumping snow geese can be a great way to get bands, get old bands, get cool birds. Um, and there is a non-douche way to do it. First of all, get permission. Second of all, if you want to be a successful jump shooter for snow geese... You need to focus on cripple roundup. What that means is after you've jumped, here's what I think somebody should do. Ideally, ideally, if you and your crew were out there jump shooting, you're going to shoot probably a tungsten in your tube, like a tungsten five shot, four shot to six shot with a skeet choke in your gun. For when you do the jump. That way you want all you want as many kills as possible for each shot that you take. After that, you're gonna want to have at least a hundred rounds of like steel sixes on you for cripple shots, um, finishing shots. Uh, it would be great if you had multiple dogs. If you had multiple dogs and you had at least one ATV or two ATVs for cripple roundup. This is how you do jump shoots the non-douche way. Um, it's all about the cripple roundup and rounding up the cripples fast. If you've ever just gone into a jump shoot and been unprepared for it and then shot into a wad of snow geese and then watched the fallout and then looked at the disaster that you created with all the cripples, you're like, oh no. Like, this is horrible. Like, we've got cripples everywhere. And like, you have, you're like, going around you're like running out of shells in your pockets and there's cripples fucking everywhere and they're walking away from you fast and you're like we're not going to be able to handle this workload that we created don't do that go into jump shoots um more prepared dogs ATVs 100 rounds of cripple shots in your pockets be safe out there doing jump shoots they're a very very effective way to kill a lot of snow geese they're a very very effective way to get some really cool birds it's a very effective way to help save the tundra it can be a lot of fun um be careful out there obviously with other species um i don't believe the bullshit where people say like all those jump shooters are shooting ducks and speckle bellies no there's Definitely pockets of pure snow geese, no matter where you go, that you can find, that you can effectively jump. But the non-douche way is to have permission and be prepared to effectively pick up your cripples and do it quickly and efficiently. ATVs, dogs, cripple loads. Do that on your jump shoots. And jump shooting can be a lot of fun. It can be a blast. Uh, I'm not opposed to jump shooting in any way, shape, or form. Like people on those fucking people on those on Facebook, like any pile pick that doesn't have decoys and like a lot of decoys in the bathroom background, like, nice jump, bro. Like, dude, jumps are fun. Jumps are cool. You get the older birds, you get cool bands. Shut the fuck up. Jumping is fun. Uh why neck collar reports take longer. Neck collars um need to be sifted. They they need to sift through the information on neck collars to actually find the matching corresponding band number. Like, I was just talking about this the other day, obviously, with our neck collar. And neck collars, obviously, you report them, and you a lot of people who report them are going to be like bird watchers, 
and uh, camera guys that are not able to recover the leg band information. Like um, my neck color is YF77. So somebody's just going to report that. Well, there's some information that people got. They, get, they take the colors. They take the, they take the species. And they go through and they, <clears throat> and they have to match that up with its corresponding leg band to get the information. So that takes a little bit longer. Um, so when you do not have the actual federal band... They have to take the time to find out which band it matches up to. Hey, guys, uh, we're 38 minutes into this podcast. I want to thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate you guys. It's been a fun one. Um, thank you very much for the questions. We still have half a page of questions. Maybe we're going to have to do a part three. Please um, check out our sponsors, man. We got Boss Ammunition. If you guys want to stop having as many cripples, shoot Boss. If you uh, want to get better on your goose calls and duck calls, check out PacificCustomCalls.com. Hey, I'd really appreciate it if you uh, gave the Nick Johnson Signature Series goose call a look. Also, um, check out Oak Hammock Outfitters, OakHammockOutfitters.com. Call Bob. Tell him that you heard about his uh, outfit over on this podcast. and uh, th- tell, him, tell him thanks for being a sponsor. Thanks for being a great dude. And uh, Bob's going to help you guys out with all your Manitoba dreams. And... Other than that, we'll chat with you guys later. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one.